those songs, they just bring in the presence of the Lord. These are songs we do all the time here. They're some of our favorite. But in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And I was thinking about uh, the, the song, it said, Miracle, Signs, and Wonders. Guys, you, be, you know that people sing about that but never see it, Right? You know, they, they're singing about it, and, but they never see it. Now, I wasn't here last Sunday, but for those of you that are visiting, there was people that got up. I, I've, I've got to share these because they're so phenomenal. This was just a typical Sunday morning, and there was three people that had a miracle that week. One, uh, John was healed of glaucoma. His doctor said no one ever gets better. Totally gone. And then there was Steve who was starting his chemotherapy on Monday, got a call Friday and said, hey, wait a second, you don't have cancer. And then the lady that had been visiting our church for about six weeks, her hand during communion went around two times just like that. And she didn't think that much about it. But prior to that, she was walking on a cane and having to feed herself by taking her arm up like this. And she realized that night as she was feeding herself, she walked in to tell me and pastor this, walking without a cane, last Thursday, Thursday week ago. And we're like, wow. But you know, every church should be like that in San Angelo, Texas. Because this is God. His kingdom coming to earth. This is where we are. This is where we find ourselves now. We're not singing a song that we're hoping this is going to happen. It is happening and I want to tell you it's not because we went oh we want the presence of God here people are fasting they're praying they're coming before the Lord and they're saying show us your glory Lord because y'all it's all about him I mean he uses people to save and heal and deliver but it is all about him and we got to give him the praise and honor and glory and I'm just so glad that we have a revelation of with God, all things are possible. Last week when we were at uh, Harbor Point Church, we, we took our little grandson because we were babysitting. And I said, Ezra, what was your Sunday school lesson about? He said, well, remember, it was about the woman that was sick. Now, he's six years old. She was si- he was sick for 12 years. She was sick for 12 years. And Jesus, she touched the hem of his garment, and she was well. I said, wow, that's an incredible truth, uh, Ezra, and I'm so glad you heard it. And he said, well, remember, you know, really, the whole thing was about faith. I was like, wow. Okay, so I hope everybody in the church service left with that revelation that it is about faith. But I want to say one thing before I bring Sister Sandra up. Before the baptism of the Holy Spirit and before we ever started this church, the only thing I had faith for was my salvation. And now I know that I serve the God of the impossible. Y'all, it is the most wonderful news. It is the glorious good news of the wonder-working power of God. He is awesome and magnificent, and there's no one like him. I want to say this. Remember, maybe many of you may have seen Darren Canning. He finally got his prayer blanket, the prayer covering blanket in Canada. And I sent him our little sign up there that said, there will be miracles. For those of you that are visiting with us tonight, we started uh, 30 days that actually ended today of the declarations. And everybody left with a sign that said, there will be miracles. 
So I know there's been some turnarounds in 30 days. I know there's been some, some turnarounds, and I'm looking forward to hearing all about them. So I'm excited about Sandra, Dr. Seal, Pastor Sandra. I love you, and I've loved you and Betty both from the moment I said hello. We just share the same spirit and the love of God. And I remember coming back and telling Pam, you have got to meet the ladies I just met because you're going to love them. And we have loved you from the moment we said hello. So thank you for coming and sharing with us tonight and imparting to us tonight. Sandra asked me to share a scripture. And it's from Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Y'all welcome Dr. Sandra Seal. Come on. Thank you for being here tonight. Someone asked me, did I study? And I thought about it a minute. I thought, no. No, I didn't study. Because it's been a life of study. Like, uh, Jimmy is a veterinarian. And so now at the age that you are, Jimmy, I'm sure it's much easier to diagnose things just off the cuff than it was when you first started. And that's the way it is with God. I look around and see some of you that have been here all the time I've been here and before, and some of you are new. But I'm seeing what God is doing in this house is supernatural. I was talking with uh, Tom and Judy yesterday on my show, and we were talking about the atmosphere. I love that song that you guys sing. The atmosphere is changing now. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And when the, we're the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, liberty. Somebody said, oh, well, uh, the, the words just interchange. But when you have freedom and you have liberty together, guess what? You have a supernatural avenue that you can now walk. So when I first moved here, I was on the fourth floor. Now I've graduated to the eighth floor. Uh, I hope I don't ever go any further. But, but anyway, there's ten floors there. And I would sit in my chair and look out over in the, uh, the city, and the Lord would show me so many, many wonderful things. And one of the things that he showed me was there was a group of, of uh, you were having service for some reason. I was not attending. I must have been sick because that's the only time that I'm not here. And so I, I saw this, this flock of birds and they were flying this way. And I remember so vividly, I said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, I'm about to show up. I don't think there's ever been one service, I, well, I know there hasn't, that I have been here that the Spirit of God did not show up. And that such a wonderful flavor of the anointing. You know, you, you go to cooks and they begin to... Uh, Show off, uh, Rita, you have a dish that I just adore and many of you. And so we, we eat their food, but if there's not a flavor in there, 
then eh, it's kind of bland, right? Don't feel like you even ate because it didn't satisfy you. But I have found that coming into his presence always brings change in the atmosphere and it always, always brings me into his presence. Now someone asked me recently, well, do you actually go in your body to these places? Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if I'm in the body or out of the body. I just know I'm in his presence. And as Pastor read, there's fullness of joy. His presence causes the atmosphere to change, not just in you, but in those that are around you. I remember we were at a service um, at uh, Joe and Jonan's, and the Lord said to me, I was going to be preaching that night, Pam, and the Lord said to me, stand up and tell everybody to stand up and welcome the presence of the Lord. Well, they didn't get it. <laughs> they stood up. I said, now give him a big hand clap. Welcome him into this place. And it seemed like nobody was interested in welcoming him into the place. But every time we come into his presence, we need to have an encounter. Our encounter will change us from glory to glory. What is glory? It's that thing you can't explain. It's not a it's not an activity. It's not something. It's just the divine presence of God, the manifest presence of God coming into the room, changing the atmosphere. Healing starts taking place. I've seen in this, in this church, as the praise and worship uh, would go forth out of the mouths of these wonderful singers that God has put in our lives, I have noticed that as that happens, he, people will start reporting. Well, I know the other Sunday I was here, and I was so I I pulled my back, and I couldn't hardly even hold my head up. And but oh, when praise and worship started coming forth, when the anointing started being released over the congregation, I was a recipient of one of those bombs of Gilead being broken forth in my life. So what happens when you come to church with no expectations? Nothing. Nothing for you. Everybody else around you may just be in such glory and having visitations and having all kinds of things happen, but we must first engage ourselves. So as a child, I learned how to engage myself. Some of your grandpas maybe gave you a beer to drink when you were seven years old or five years old. Or a cigarette to smoke. That, that happens because that's all they know. But my father was plugged in to the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he would start telling me stories about how the angel came into their room with he and my mom. It made me so hungry. It made me, I, I mean, I would just pull on his overall saying, Daddy, Daddy, I want to experience, I want to see an angel. I had such a hunger at age five for the presence of God. And you know, at 73, it hasn't left me yet. I still 
hunger for his presence. Day after day, I will sit in my room and it seems like there's nothing for me to do, no phone, no, no anything. And one day I was gripping to the Lord. And I said, well, Lord, now that I can't drive, I just have to sit here. And he goes, well, you should want to sit here. And I thought, okay, <laughs> all right. And then he told me, because as you sit here, I fill you up with new innovative ideas. So I was counseling with a counselor recently, and I said, well, what do I need to do? Because I was just coming through some things in my life, and I said, what do I need? What's my next step? And my counselor, which was my daughter, she said to me, dream again. I remember one time I, I told my brother, I have this dream, and I, and I was describing it to him, and he said, sis, go back to sleep and dream again. Dream bigger. How many of you realize maybe that you're not dreaming as largely as you used to? This is the time to, in, in your spirit, as you go to sleep, tell the Lord, reveal to me what I need to know. And guess what he does? He reveals to you what you need to know. I lost some perfume and, you know, I was just, I wanted my perfume. You know, if you do something, you want it, right? And I wanted it. So I kept asking the Lord, where, where, what did I do with it? I took my couch apart almost, trying to find that perfume, but it wasn't there. Went to sleep that night and had a dream. And I saw the hand of this handyman that was helping me at my house. And it was in his pocket. So the next day when he came to help me, I said, yeah, um, would you go in your backpack and please get me my perfume out? And he goes, what? Uh, yeah, the Lord showed me last night that you sell my perfume, and I'd like to have it back. And if you've already given it to someone, just go buy me some. It's only $120. Just rush on down there. <laughs> Get it for me. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, well, how did you know that? Well, he gave himself away. Because the hidden things God will bring to light to those that stay in his presence. He said to keep our minds on him day and night. How do you do that? Just keep your mind on him. Don't let distractions pull you away from his presence when he's about to tell you a secret. Don't you just hate it when somebody's about to tell you something? Oh, it's so important, and they took you to the back room, and they closed the door, and they're about to tell you, and somebody walks in the door, and they can't, got interrupted, and they can't tell you now what the secret was. Do you know that God has secrets in his heart? Some of us, and, and I know Martha's one of them, some of us have already seen things that have not happened here yet, but they're about to. We're on the cuffs of receiving brand new information from the throne of God, but our mind must be cleared. But if we're all confused, I, I, people tell me all the time, oh, I, I just don't know what my purpose is, and, and I'm, I've just found myself so confused. The Bible says that we are to renew our minds daily. 
How do you think we get in his presence when we have all these distractions all around us? We cannot come before him and get all those secrets that he wants to tell us if we are consumed with questions, consumed with worries. Worry is a hindrance to the faith of God being activated in our life. God wants to activate his presence in us. And we, who, who is supposed to be the one that signs and wonders follow? Us. We don't follow signs and wonders. I remember back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, oh, everybody was rushing out to this prophet and that prophet and here and there. and I mean, just consuming their life with another word. We didn't act on the word God had already given us. You know, I believe we need to become scribes. I like to say that Billy Fay is a scribe because she has intel from heaven and she shares it. Many of you get cards and letters from her. And what a beautiful ministry. But we need to start writing down what God tells us. And you know, when I hear somebody and they tell me, God told me on June the 20th, 2023, that this and this and this was going to take place, I listen because they know when it happened. They know when he spoke. And guess what? When he speaks, we need to be uh, re- react like if we heard E.F. Hutton say something. <laughs> he has more information in his heart. He ha- wants to do more things for us than we have ever asked or imagined. He said he would do exceedingly and abundantly and above. All we've ever asked, imagined, we stop there. But it says, according to the power that works in us. How do we get power working in us? We stir it up. We stir up that anointing that he has placed in us. Somebody says, oh, well, I I go to work at 5.30, don't get off to 5.30. Uh, I fall into bed, and that's that. What a shame. What are you missing? So much. Because my father always taught me, uh, when you're driving to work, that's a time to be in the presence. When you're coming home from work, that's a time to be in the presence. Somebody told my parents, they said, well, if you ever get upset with each other, which I never saw, but if you ever get upset with each other, uh, Opal, no, what's her name, just wear your apron backwards. So when he comes home from work, he will know that you're not in the, in the right mind or the right mood <laughs> to put up with anything he's got to say. <laughs> and she said, oh, that won't be necessary. And he said, well, why not? And she said, because we keep our minds set up on the Lord so we know what the other one is thinking no matter where they are. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you could use God in that area in your life? I think we all can. I'm not sitting up here trying to make you think that I know something that I don't know. I just know that I have been taught. That's how my family taught us to just stay in his presence. So I was telling my father, oh, well, I want to 
I want to hear the voice of God. I want to be able, I'm, I'm six when I received the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to hear his voice and understand and know what he has planned for my life. And he said, well, I'm, I built you a prayer closet. I don't see you in it. Now, I was one of these busy people. I always had to be have my little books, and I was calculating everything. Until I learned that that brought me naught. That did not help me in my pursuit of what God wanted to do in my life. And I was at, the, I was at a church on uh, Saturday night. We always went to Assembly of God on Saturday that was different from the church we went to because they had a special service every Saturday. So I was there, and I remember kneeling next to my mom and the pastor's wife, and I was just praying. And I began to, I, some of you may not even know what I'm talking about, but I began to travail. Now, in the Old Testament, it says, when Zion travails, sons and daughters brought into the kingdom of God. And that's what we were taught. Not intercession, not prayer of request, not declarations, but, inter- but uh, travail. And I began to travail, and I had an open vision. And I saw myself in what I assumed, that's not a good word, but I, I thought, well, this must be Germany. Even though I was young and I didn't even, had not studied geography yet, so I didn't know anything about Germany, but just somewhere in my spirit, I thought it was Germany. And I began to travail so hard. I mean, things began to just, years later, maybe 20 years later, I was in Germany. I was, with, I was accompanying some young ladies that were from SMU, and they had been to Austria, and they were at the German airport, and I was making sure they got on their plane to come home to the Dallas area. And as we get to the escalator, I heard the Lord say to me, Stop. Kneel down and tie your shoes. Now, listen, I don't ever... No, I, don't, I can't think of a time when I wore tennis shoes to tie. So I reached down, and that's what I was supposed to tell anybody that asked me. I was supposed to tell them that I'm going to be tying my shoes. I wait just a minute so I tie my shoes. Well, I didn't have any, any laces on them to tie them. And... <laughs> And they just looked at me like those girls, like I was crazy. Probably I really looked crazy. But what I didn't know that was happening, just down, if we had gone on the escalator when we approached it, we would have been right in the middle of a hostage situation. Because that's back in the 80s when they took over the Frankfurt, Germany airport, and they were shooting everything inside. And so I, we creeped over to this closet. And there was three of us. I said, let's get in here. So we got into um, Danter's closet. And we could hear all, all the things going on and started praying. But I had seen that at 10, 11, 12 years old. Years before that, I had seen that in the spirit during my travail time. 
Now, in the New Testament, it says, after, after Zion travails. There's a time to travail, and there's a time just to walk in it. This church has already travailed. This church has already spent time with the Lord. Uh, the boots on the ground, they come early, in, sometimes in the week, and fast and pray and get here at like 5 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 5.30. And they, before they go to work, they sacrifice that time. Well, you, it's not just them. There's other groups, other prayer groups that are doing the same thing. They're praying and fasting for our pastors. They're praying and fasting for the things of God to come forth. We have to do everything that we hear from God to do. We have to be obedient. If you're obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land, the good of the land. This church is on mark to eat the fat of the land. Do you want to participate in that? Yeah. Then offer yourself a living sacrifice unto him, which we are, um, not, because, not because we know everything, not because we've done everything. It's because we're just obeying his word. Obedience brings such revelation. When you're obedient, you, get, you say next and next. The Lord will bring next. And I'm just excited about what's next in this house. I have had the wonderful privilege of, um, could you bring her chair over, of uh, having sit behind me. Martha and Jimmy and their son now. Come on up, Martha. <laughs> and they, she says, and I'll, I'll, I'll just look to her. She knows what I'm asking. I'll just look and say, what do you see? And so I, I asked Pastor Mary Lou, may I include Martha tonight for this reason? She's a seer. And I don't want anyone in here to think that I am the only one that can see, because I'm not. <laughs> I'm glad I, I have a comrade in arms over there. <laughs> so recently, what has God been showing you about this? Well, recently I have been seeing just bukus of angels around. I have seen different kinds of angels. I've seen fire angels, which are really bizarre looking. Uh, they're like surrounded in fire. Sometimes when you're watching a movie and there's somebody running out of a burning building and they're engulfed in flames, well, this is what the fire angels look like. And it's the funniest thing because I look over at Pam and she starts fanning because <laughs> she's hot. <laughs> I have seen the glory of the Lord and it falls. And when I see that, glory cloud it's like a mist full of golden glitter and it just falls down and a lot of times during praise and worship you know everyone feels those momentous times when that glory is present and you know I see angels walking around sometimes they look just like people and sometimes they wear robes sometimes they don't and uh, they're just dressed like people and uh, it's really bizarre, uh, the things that you see in the spirit realm, because it's so outside the 
normal of what we see in everyday life, but they're there if you're looking. That's right. And so I know many times. I know many times uh, when we see things, pastor will react to that. Mm -hmm. Can you think of an instance? Well, lots of times there is a portal that's yep. kind of right there. Yeah. And a lot of times when he moves close to that portal, I will see certain things. I've told you all before. One of the times I saw just angels just pouring through, and they had buckets of water. <laughs> and they were pouring them through, Pastor, and that would water would splash out on the congregation. Yes. And it... Yeah, it's weird, but <laughs> that's what I saw. Oh, that's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, we see things in the natural. Uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, how be it if I tell you of earthly things, you cannot believe it. Uh, tell you of heavenly things, you can't believe it. And, and, and you believe the earthly things. Mm -hmm. Well, God wants it to take us into the supernatural into his mind. Have you ever thought about what God actually sees when he sees this congregation? Well, um, I think so. I think he sees shining stars. Yes, he does. <laughs> yep. I think when, he does. You, when you connect with people that are connected to the things of God, guess what happens? Things of God happen. I'm not surprised that all these people are giving testimony about how God is turning things around for them, changing diagnosis, healing people. That's his good pleasure, to give us the kingdom, is it not? When we walk in the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you can't do both. <laughs> you cannot fulfill the... Things of heaven, as long as you are burdened down with things in your life. I went through a two-year period. It's really not anyone's business, and I'm not going to share it. But I went through it. I'm just going to share this. I went through a two-year period when I totally, it was by faith. And every day I would declare this was going to be a new day, and guess what? It wasn't there. And let me tell you why. If you're carrying a root of bitterness, or if you're carrying <coughs> unforgiveness, he does not hear you. I like to say, oh, well, because it's me, I'm sure he. No. No. You will suffer until you let go. So I... I I'd gone to several counselors, and I just wanted to tell them, y'all don't know what you're, you don't know what you're talking about. And the Lord said, call your daughter. Now, you know how it is, ladies. You don't always agree with your children. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, I don't want to call her. She's so opinionated. <laughs> and the Lord said, you need an opinion. <laughs> You got your own. Now that's, how's that working for you? So I, I texted her and I said, you know, I'd like to have a session with you. Well, you know, a session costs money. So I'm just because I'm the mother, don't think I'm going to get a free ride. So, and I didn't expect one because, listen, if, if it's worth 
their time, it's worth your money. So uh, she said yes, and we set it up, and we said hello. I said hello, and she's, she said, how are you? And I said, how are you? And then it went straight into, how can I assist you today? I walked away from that, from that session, and I thought, my God, the mantle is on her. Lord, let her carry it. Lord, let her move into it. And, you know, Martha, it was so beautiful. At the end, I said, she said, and your homework will be. I thought, oh, God. She said, you, you will forgive, and you'll do it this afternoon before you go to bed. I mean, she didn't give me out. Now, I didn't even try to argue because I knew that God had sent me to speak, for her to speak into my life. And she's written a book called Gratitude. And it's a, like a um, d devotional. And so every day you're grateful for something. And so she said, and when you get to number so-and-so, it's been a while. When you get to that number, you stay on it for two or three days until you know you've conquered that one. God wants us to, Pastor preached a brilliant series a few years ago, Stay the course. God wants us. That's any Martha. He wants us to stay the course because, listen, he just shows us a little bit at a time. We just see through a vapor. But he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to unfold his plan for our life. But if we're all caught up in yesterday, and I know I, as, as I get older, I think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, I, oh, if I could just change this. If I could just change that. You can't. Just get your, get your um, shoulder to the, to the plow and start plowing. Because if you're breathing, you can plow. If you're breathing, you can be of assistance to what God is doing here in this place. Many of you that I'm talking to right now, you know God has a, a supernatural road ahead of you, but you're not quite sure what it looks like. Are you, are you here? Raise your hand. And you want to know. You just have to stay in his presence. In his presence, this fullness of joy. Let me tell you, and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. I wanted to share that scripture with you tonight because that was my mother's favorite scripture and she'd always tell us be sure you're standing at his right hand because that's where the pleasures evermore are in first chronicles uh chapter 29 i think it's verse 11 says thine O lord of the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and at thy right hand at his right hand is treasures, is riches. Everybody wants to be rich with money, but what about character? What about anointing? What about supernatural? Just speak it and it comes to pass. We were driving the other day uh, to, where were we going, Tom? Seminole. I, I never can remember that name. So we were going to Seminole. 
And it, it seemed like it took forever to get there the first time. And we get, we get in, I think it was miles, and Judy said, Tom, are we in miles? And he said, yes. She goes, well, we're just 30 minutes away from the church. Because we had been listening to Terry McElman and just, just staying in the presence of the Lord, just entertaining his presence. Just allowing him to take this vessel that we are and open it up and pour something new into it. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness always to us. Thank you for always taking care of everything that concerns us. Will you stay with me for any questions that... Joe, do we have any questions? I see a hand. Yes, sir. Could you stand? Sir? Oh, well, when a woman is going to bring forth a child, they call that travail. In the spirit, that is birthing something new. Um, back in the day when I was being brought up, that was, uh, that was basic 101. Did that answer your question? Uncontrollable crying. Sobbing. <laughs> Sobbing. Sorrow Screaming. from deep in your soul. <laughs> Screaming. Sorrow, <laughs> crying, and you cannot stop. That's right. What? As a male, that's what they mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Like a kidney stone. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Anyone else? I guess Joseph's building. Oh, okay. We're just waiting on him to come in. Oh, okay. Oh, I should know. He's never far away. <laughs> he's like Jesus. He's as close as the mention of his name. <laughs> okay. I had a question, Cassandra, I know you've seen angels since you were a little girl, five years old, but Martha, when did you start seeing angels? Uh, the first angel I saw was in California, <laughs> and uh, it was, we were in California for my niece's wedding, and I saw my first angel there. I was an adult with children, and I guess they've been married about 15 years ago, so this wasn't something that that I always had, but it just kind of dropped in. Uh, God had given us assignment to pray, and in this assignment, he gave us a rock with a cross on it, and we anointed it. We were going to Parkside then with Tom and Mary Pucci was our pastors, and this rock sat beneath the altar for about three months. And we went, and it was in uh, preparation for a Proposition 8, which was the same-sex marriage act that was going to be voted on in California. And, of course, this was a precursor to what happened in the nation. 
and we had gone to San Francisco, and my sister and brother-in-law were with us, and they said, we know this place, and it's right across from San Francisco Bay where they take those iconic pictures of San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge. And we, we prayed, we anointed, we left that rock from West Texas in this grove of redwood trees. And my sister and I turned around and there was an angel standing there. The top of the redwoods came about to his waist. And uh, he very purposely looked towards San Francisco and walked that way. And later on, we learned about two weeks later that the change of venue for this hearing was moving from Sacramento, which is the capital, to San Francisco, to the district courthouse there. And the proposition at that time was defeated. Now later on, I learned that that angel was Michael. And I've seen him several times. He's very tall, <laughs> very big, yeah. So I've learned you know, uh, I forgot to tell you guys, because I, I didn't want to bother you on your trip, but on Sunday, um, I had got, I told him I'd gone up to just place a small offering in the plate because I felt like I needed to release in that anointing that I was feeling in the house. I needed to release something. And be sure when you are in that anointing and when the, the winds of God start blowing and his presence starts being revealed, especially during praise and worship, Make sure that you plant a seed in commemoration of that anointing. Because so I put it in there and I was um I had heard about a loss that I was gonna have and I have to tell you it kinda shook me. But I, I wanted to be obedient, so I took the offering down there and when I came back to my seat to sit down, I saw a hand. It wasn't it wasn't anybody in the natural, but I saw a hand reach over the offering plate and press it down. And Pam said, yeah, press down, shake it together. And I believe that we're going to begin to see in your finances, in the church's finances. Because let me tell you, without people sowing into this house, we will not be able, this will never happen, but... It depends on your obedience, how the programs are being able to go forth on Friday and feed and, and those of you that come and cut hair and do things for people on Friday and not just Friday, but all the work that is done behind the scenes here that you never see Susan or the different people do. They are doing great and mighty works for God and we don't even know anything about it because they're doing it. They'll be rewarded openly because they're doing hidden things. And it cannot happen unless we have people that will support the work of the gospel. Is the angel going to come and break money? Well, Maybe. I'm sure he could. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's, it's given in our hands. So we can be a blessing. Somebody says, well, I don't expect anything when I give. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. Ooh, get, get some more so you can give some more. 
Because God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing on those that give. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> We're ready for more questions. Okay, we got a couple questions yes, here. Yes, sir. How did you both know when you stepped into the calling the Lord had for you? It just started being revealed to me. I mean, at five, uh, I asked for it. My father gave me instructions of how to receive, and I just walked in it. Uh, really, I just kind of stumbled into it. <laughs> God is good. He has yeah. a destiny and a path for you to walk, yes. and he will get you there the easiest way you will go. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled into it. <laughs> a good good place to assemble <laughs> next question how can we find the book gratitude that your daughter wrote uh Sine seal on amazon it's good s-e-n-e hyphen e seal s-e-a-l-e Sine s-e-n-e hyphen e and then S-E-A-L-E. Yes, they, are they do. Uh, solid, you know, just as people are solid, and but huge. Yeah. Uh, angels are big. When I see personal angels that are assigned to people, they're 12 to 15 feet tall. <laughs> when I see Michael, he's tall. <laughs> We're talking stories like a 10, 13, 14 story building tall and uh, they're they're solid well i think you have to be grounded in the word mm -hmm. or have somebody around you like our pastors counsel with them uh, they will they will not lead you and guide you in into anything that the word does not t say it when i was born i had a birthmark across my face uh, according to my parents and um, so there was an evangelist David Nunn in the Dallas area was going to be at our, our, our church and so my mom took me and had him pray over me my father returned from home from work about 1.15 every evening and when he got home from about 9 o'clock till then the Lord did laser surgery, and I do not, nor have I ever had any of that residue on me ever. It happened supernaturally. Well, a few uh, months later, I started to walk, and I had problems, and they determined that I was in the beginning stages of polio. Well, my best friend, Jeannie Bella, she had the same thing. But she didn't have the faith. Her parents didn't have the faith that my parents walked in. So they took me back to that same evangelist that was visiting again, and he prayed over me. My leg grew longer and out. So I'm telling you, the supernatural power of God will visit you if you put that in your children, that's why I really loved Sunday, having all the children up here for once. I mean, I'm not saying they need to be up here every time, but it was beautiful. 
I, I don't know if that sounded right or not, but... <laughs> Uh, they need to be taught downstairs <laughs> for you, for you gifted teachers. But I mean, there was just a super, nothing like being in the presence of God. It made me so hungry. I would cry if we didn't go to church. My mother would say, "Why are you crying? You get a night off. I don't want a night off. I want to be in the presence of God." And I realized I could just go in my closet and have my own presence with Him in there, and not have to deal with all these other people. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> I like it the way it says it in the Passion: God's wraparound presence. Oh. When you have that conscious awareness that God's presence wraps around you at all times. That's a great wow. thing. Wow. It warms you when you're cold. It comforts you when you're concerned about things that you don't need to be concerned about. That's why pastor was preaching the other Sunday about casting our cares upon him. He was saying that his yoke is easy and his burdens light. And so I found out, if, if I've got heaviness on me, I don't have the Lord's yoke on me. I have my yoke on me. And God is wanting us to let him carry our yoke for us. Anybody else? I thought I saw a hand in here. We have a couple questions here. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. This is a two-part question. Okay. Uh, how do you know you've really forgiven someone? Mm -hmm so that God can hear you. And the second part of that, uh, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you forgive someone when you just feel like you can't? Well, for me, I can only speak for me. Every morning before the forgiveness, when I would wake up, there would be a gripping in my spirit. You know. And I, I bled over everybody. Because you do. You, can, you cannot carry that weight of unforgiveness along with you and expect that it's going to just change by itself. You have to will it to happen. Every day I ask God, help me forgive, help me forgive. And then the day I gave um, first fruit, I knew it was done. And how do you know it's done? When that person, when you love them with an uncontrollable amount of love, you can't even express how much you love them. Yeah. Forgiveness is a choice yes. that we make. Yes. And when we choose to forgive, the enemy will come and say, well, what about this? And yeah. remember when this? And yeah. I just look at the enemy and say, I left that at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> you go to Jesus with that. Of course. You know. <laughs> That's where it is. Yes. So go go to Jesus. <laughs> go to Jesus. Was there another one? Yes, ma'am. Uh, so this question is going back to seeing angels. Um, although I like to see this tie in with his presence. Okay. I think it says, uh, do you also see demons or just angels? Uh, and can demons deceive uh, and be like angels? I see demons, yes. I'd rather not. 
I've seen territorial spirits yeah. over territories, and um, there are angel territorial spirits, and there are demonic territorial spirits. Most of the time when I see demons, they are black figures, and they're usually scurrying around on the ground. Sometimes I see them behind people. And uh, can they be deceptive? I haven't experienced that yet. Also, um, when, when I don't major on demons, I'm not saying they're not there, please understand that, but I do what I was taught to do by Betty years ago. When, I, when my feet touch the floor, I tell the enemy, I'm up now, you better get out of my way because <laughs> God is making my path straight. You just, you just have, you can't be timid with angels or demons. I always ask them if they're an angel. I say, who sent you and what is your purpose? Now, and I said, you can't lie before the throne of God. So who, who sent you? Well, when I found out, when I find out that they are sent by the Most High God, and he wants me to know something, he's got a secret. He wants to tell me I'm all ears. Okay. Uh, this next question, again, we need to try to drag these questions back to the topic tonight, which is his presence. Well, you won't, you won't be able to see angels unless you stay in his presence, right? Right. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. How did it feel, or how did you react when you saw your first supernatural encounter, angel, demon, especially as a child? Well, you told yours. Yeah. Mine's, I've told this so many times, I'm sure everybody knows it. Uh, I was five. I was helping my father make my mom and, and his bed. And um, he started telling me, she was making breakfast, and he started telling me that um, th an angel had came into their room and lit the whole room up the night before and what the angel had sp said to my mom. And so I started crying, oh, Daddy, oh, Daddy, I, I got to see an angel. I got to see an angel. I've got to see an angel. And so he said I was almost pulled his clothes off of him because, Daddy, oh, Daddy, I got And so he said, well, I made your closet. Go wait on the Lord. So uh, I miss breakfast, and honey, I don't want to miss anything, <laughs> especially um, biscuits and gravy. Right? <laughs> anyway, so I said, he comes knocking on the door, and my maiden name was Jones. And he said, Miss Jones, what are you doing in there? And I said, I'm playing. And he said, you're supposed to be praying. And I said, no, I'm finished praying. And he said, well, who are you playing with? And I said, with the babies. He said, we don't have any babies. I said, uh-huh, we have three. So he said, well, turn one of them around so you can see what's on its back. So I said, wings? He goes, oh, okay. You're, you've missed breakfast. Lunch is later, <laughs> and you're seeing 
little angels. And I said, baby angels. And I said, okay. So I was satisfied. So that's my first encounter. But I, again, I don't think that would have ever happened unless I first invited the Lord to come in to the room that I was in and to bless me with, with vision so that it would be open so I could see. Uh, Pastor Mary I remember the time when we had um, the uh, ministers here, Terry Thompson, and I think Pat, Brother Ron was here. And, I, I, and we were overeating after the the day of hearing what the Lord had to say, and that's when I started having that heart attack. And uh, Betty took me to the hospital, and. Uh, her friend was there, and she started massaging my toes, and she started pulling stuff out of my toes and, and handed it to Betty. And it, just about the time it would get into her hand, Betty said it would just evaporate. So I told you that morning that I had been on the street of gold, and wasn't the reaction I was hoping for. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I proved, the Lord proved when they took my socks and shoes off that I had actually been in the presence of the Lord. And remember the stethoscope that the, that the doctor had? And God just does things so that others can witness. He told me one time, he said, for, the very, for those that have wrapped you in grave clothes, I will let them witness the unwrapping. So if, me, if you're here tonight and people have not noticed, maybe it's just been a minute change, but at least you're trying. And people have not noticed they're, they're accelerating all the things you did in the past. Let me tell you, God will cause his angels to unwrap you in front of people so they can witness the power of God. It's never about us. It's always about him. Okay, looks like we have uh, just one more, one more here. It says, uh, uh, what's a good scripture or uh, prayer to, uh, for forgiveness or bitterness to stick to? Psalm 91, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. That is one of the best ones. Yes. Oh, what? 51. Huh? <laughs> 51. 51. Not 91. 51. <laughs> 91's good. Yeah. Um, the main thing is to set your heart to forgive. As you said, it's a choice. I choose. Once you get to the point that I don't have to validate myself anymore, I don't have to prove who was right, who was wrong, I just choose to forgive. Yeah, It's a choice, not a feeling. That's it. I got a question. Yeah. Mm. Go back to the first question with the, the phone was, how do you know you're calling? Uh, we hear that question all the time, right, Pastor? It's probably one of the first questions you hear. Okay, so you're calling. I assume that question was, when did you know your calling of seeing angels or manifestations? When you have those encounters, are they for you or are they for 
something else or somebody else most of the time? Or what is maybe the ratio to that? Well, if, if I don't have that confidence, the scripture that she read is about we'll know our path. So the way we know our path, we, if we know his ways, we can possess his powers. How do you know his ways? Sitting under a, a gifted teacher, sitting under a gifted pastor, going to these uh, classes that we uh, that are, uh, afford to us here at the church. We have many great speakers that could speak into our lives. I believe that as we learn to trust, if if we can't, if we don't trust him. He can't bring it to pass. But if we trust him, then it's easy for our spirits to be open to him. So it's for us, and the testimony is for others. For me, it has been always connected with a prayer assignment. You know, we've mm -hmm. been all over praying and doing things. God will give us assignments. And it's like God just removes the curtain and allows me to see what's going on in the spirit realm as we're praying. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, it's like a movie taking place out there. And uh, I am not one of those profound seers. There are people that are, that just look out there and see things all the time. I, I have instances where God gives me those glimpses into the spirit realm. It's at his choosing. Right. Well, it's our obedience. See, if you don't have preparation, then you're not ready when God puts the microphone in your hand. Yeah, usually before a prayer assignment, there's been a lot of prayer, fasting yeah. for months before you go and do. Yeah. One more question here. Yes, sir. Is his presence for everyone or just people who are no. called into the ministry? No. Everybody. 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 Everybody that's called on the name of the Lord that you can be saved, you are a candidate for his presence. Because when you invite him in, he's inside of you. He's always looking to show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. But you have to stay in his presence. It's like leaving the conversation before the conversation's over. You don't have all the, all the facts. Yeah, stay in the word, stay in prayer. Yes. It's all based on relationship. There's somebody back there. Yes. Yes. Well, he said... I don't understand. Please stand so I can hear you better. It's up to him whether you ask for him or not. Well, you, you can't have him unless you ask for him. He's not going to force himself on anyone. But the Spirit will draw you to him, and then you make that decision whether you want him or not. What? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one that draws, leads and guides you. And, oh, there is a great distinction between Holy Spirit and Jesus. 
the, the office work of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide us into all truth. Yes. Now, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth set you free. And a lot of people say, well, truth, just any kind of truth out there, just set you free. No, it doesn't. It's the truth you know and act on. That's what sets you free. We are done with questions. So ministry oh, time, maybe? 